Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit will overtake. She'll be a blessing and will be a blessing, Father, for what we hear from her mouth. Father, we do pray that our mind and spirit is in line with you. We pray, Father, we are hungry for your word. What do you have for us, Father, today? We are hungry and thirsty for you. Thank you, Father, for Mary. We bless her in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen, amen, and amen. Hallelujah. I think I ought to go sit down. <laughs> the music and the, and the introduction was 99% of my message this morning, so that's really cool. <laughs> it's just like Costa said, it's confirmation. Praise the Lord. Now, the, <laughs> the title of my message today is Bats, Birds, and Battles. Now, figure out that combination if you can. <laughs> um, I recently had a very lively conversation with my son, Patrick. <laughs> I get tickled every time I think about it. He told me that he'd come downstairs in the middle of the night to use the bathroom. And as he was heading back upstairs to bed, he saw a shadow on the wall. And he turned on the light, and he found a really large bat hanging on the wall just below the ceiling. He told me he cried out. He ran to the kitchen, grabbed the broom, and, and he says, Mom, I went full ninja on that thing. Yeah! <laughs> he says, I was kicking out my leg, <laughs> jumping up and down, trying to swat that thing down. And it flew everywhere. And me screaming at it, swatting at it with the broom until I could maneuver it out the front door. <laughs> now, you've got to visualize this, okay? See, he's built just like me. He's short. He's squat. He's got an artificial leg and he's 50 years old. <laughs> Just imagine him flying around the living room, swing, <laughs> swing, swinging that broom and, and kicking out with his good leg at that invader and hollering like some kind of ninja nut. <laughs> I get so tickled when I think about that. And I was telling a friend about this the other day, and she related a story about her mother who went into their, into their bathroom and found a bird flapping around in there. <laughs> mother ran screaming out of the room, got her husband to go in there to get rid of that bird. But she slammed the door on him to make sure he got the bird out so he couldn't get out either. Even to the point of holding onto that doorknob really tight with both hands and one foot up against the door jam so they couldn't get open <laughs> until that invader was gone. <laughs> now, both of, these <laughs> both of these incidents made me laugh until I had a headache and tears were streaming down my face. What ridiculous scenarios we get into when we're frightened by something that's out of the realm of our ordinary, don't we? We don't want those invaders to come into our peaceful lives, bringing all sorts of real or imagined dangers. How many of you have ever seen the, the Hitchcock movie, The Birds? Yeah? Oh, that's why you don't want birds flapping around in your bathroom. And, <laughs> and how many of us have seen vampire movies where they turn into bats and hang on the walls? Yeah. Those things can implant images into our brains and even into our spirits of trauma, 
so that our natural instinct is towards fright and flight. Some of us go naturally towards the fight part of our brains like Patrick did. But how many of us get into that fight mode when it comes to spiritual invaders? How many of us just heave a big sigh when, it, when the enemy starts to attack our finances or our health or our children and families? We just go along accepting whatever the enemy throws at us and we meekly submit to every storm and mountain and disaster that comes our way. And we say things like, oh, well, it is what it is, or the Lord must be testing me, or I just hope I can make it through, or I'm doing my best under the circumstances. Well, first of all, that's not biblical. And secondly, what are you doing under those circumstances? Yeah, I know scripture says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, in everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ concerning you. And most people take that to mean the thing is the will of God. Not, it's not. The will of God is the giving of thanks in spite of the things. Remember that. The will of God concerning these things is that you give thanks. You praise. You remember one of the songs that we sing from time to time is, starts out, this is how I fight my battles. You know that song? This is how we fight our battles. We praise God in all things, not for all things, but in all things. Well, why do we praise God in the middle of the mess? First of all, because he didn't send it. James 1.13 says, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither does he tempt any man. And Jesus said in John 16, These things that I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Trials and tribulations are common to people. And Paul teaches that in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, where he says, There's no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above what you're able. But when the temptation comes, will also make a way to escape it that you'll be able to bear it. He doesn't send the temptation, but he makes the way of escape out of it. So let's get that settled in our hearts and our minds. God does not send trials or tribulations or temptations. Those are tactics of the enemy. Now why do you think the enemy sends those things? He sends them to cause us to get over into fear or into stress or worry or blaming God to get us to give up the battle even before we start to see the victory, even before we start to do battle sometimes. How many of you have seen the, <laughs> the movie Michael with John Travolta? He plays Michael the archangel with a shady past. It's, a, it's, a <laughs> it's nonsense, of course, and, but there's, uh, it's a silly rom-com kind of thing, you know, but it's, it's a cute little movie if you watch it clear through to the end. It's nonsense, of course, but <clears throat> there was a scene that caught my attention. It's when Travolta, as Michael, is uh, <laughs> with his companions, and they're in a bar, and he senses a fight coming on, but he spreads his wings and he shouts, Battle! 
and he commences to whip every bad guy in the place. It's like a Keystone Cop kind of scene where all the rowdies in the joint are thrown out of the place, and he walks out with a pretty girl on his arm, the hero of the day. We should be like that. Whenever we sense a battle coming on, we spread our wings, our faith in God and his word, and we pitch out all the rowdies in our path. Bats in the house? Go all ninja on them, wielding our most powerful weapons, our praise and the word of God. We've got errant birds in the bathroom? Send the champion in till the thing is removed from our dwelling place. And who is our champion? Jesus, the Holy Spirit, our Father, God. There are two verses that I consider to be the most powerful verses in the Bible. This is my, for me. And I think that they will help you as well. Romans eight twenty six. Likewise, the Spirit helps our infirmities, for we don't know what we should pray for like we should. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings that can't be uttered. And then in Romans eight thirty four. Who is it that condemns us? Is it Christ that died, rather that's risen again? Who's sitting at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us? And it goes on a little bit further. No, we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Now, what does that word intercession mean? First of all, in spiritual terms, it means to pray for another's. And from the online dictionary, it also says this. It's the action of intervening on behalf of another. And intervening means the act of interfering with the outcome or course of events, especially of a condition or process, so as to prevent harm and improve functioning. When we understand these verses in this context, we see that intercession coming from Jesus and the Holy Spirit are used to prevent harm and improve function in our spiritual lives. Now, (laughs) I want you to pump up the volume on this one. You realize the importance of these two verses, that the Holy Spirit and Jesus are praying for us. Who are they? They're two aspects of God. So that means that God is praying to himself on our behalf. Now, is that something to shout about or what? Hallelujah, God is praying to himself on my behalf. These are the weapons of our warfare. They're not physical, not carnal, as the scripture says, but they are powerful. They're mighty and able to pull down any stronghold the enemy tries to bring against us. How could an enemy expect to win a battle where the almighty God the captain of the angel armies, the champion of heaven, is actively participating in our struggles with us with the intention of preventing harm and and improving our functionality. How could the enemy ever expect to win that kind of a battle? Because he's stupid. (laughs) So what happens when we get ourselves into a pickle? When everything seems to be all whopper-jawed and out of alignment? When everything seems to have fallen apart and our hearts are heavy and our minds are fractured and our bodies are worn out from striving, we've lost part of our functionality. We are not able to function properly in the role that God has assigned to us. 
We can't pray for others. We can't worship. We don't even want to go to church or fellowship with those who are in a better place spiritually than we are. Sometimes we just want to curl up inside ourselves in our misery and play turtle, hoping that someday it'll be better. That is our battleground. Those times are our bats in the belfry and birds in the bathroom moments. Those are the times when we must go Holy Ghost Ninja and send in the champion to deal with those situations. Those are not the times to go all meek and trembly. Those are exactly the times when we go to the throne of God and we see Jesus and the Holy Spirit making intercession on our behalf, intervening, disrupting the plan of the enemy, providing for improved functionality in our walk with God. Those are the times when we see Jesus in his role as defender. He's the champion. He's wielding the scourge of righteousness against the ones desecrating the temple. And who is that temple now? You are. Every one of you is a temple of the Holy Spirit. You are the temple where God dwells. And you can see Jesus as champion, wielding that whip, getting rid of these invaders. These are the times when we get to visualize Jesus as he was during his three days in the tomb, destroying the works of the enemy and making an open spectacle of them. These are the times when we get to actually envision God sitting on his throne, laughing at the antics of the enemy, as it says in Psalms 2. He that sits in the heavens will laugh, and the Lord will have them in derision. Then he'll speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. He's going to go, who do you think you are? How dare you touch my anointed ones? This is how we have to see our God. This is how we have to see the champion of heaven. Do you know the concept of covenant? We hear in church circles about the old covenant and the new covenant, or Old Testament and New Testament, and we think that those terms are interchangeable. Well, well they are in a way. The old before Jesus came, and the new after Jesus came. The Old Testament is a testimony of what God did in the earth before Jesus came along. And the New Testament is the testimony of what he's doing now. But the term covenant has a much more powerful meaning than that, than merely the telling of events, which is what the word testimony means. You know, like when you give testimony in a court case, It's a telling of the sequence of events in a particular situation that you know to be true. And it also carries the idea of proclaiming the virtues of a person as in a testimonial. And we use that word also in the last will and testament of a dying person. A statement of intent. It shows what the dying person intended to have happen to his possessions, his goods, his wealth, and so on. So all of those definitions are accurate when applied to the Bible. But the word covenant has a whole different layer of meaning. A covenant is an agreement, usually a formal agreement, between two or more persons to do or not to do something specified. It's also defined in the online dictionary as the conditional... Now this, is, this really blew me away. The online dictionary says the word covenant means 
the conditional promises made to humanity by God as revealed in Scripture. Online dictionary says that. It's the agreement between God and the ancient Israelites in which God promised to protect them if they kept his law and were faithful to him. That second part there, if they kept his law, we know was unreasonable in the Old Testament. That's a mirror, as you, if you like, because no one could keep the entire law. As Paul states in Romans chapter 3, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned and they've come short. They couldn't keep the law. That's why we need a new covenant. That's why the new covenant was necessary. (laughs) Do you remember how Abraham argued with God over the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah? He says, if ten righteous people could be found, the destruction wouldn't happen. But, of course, no persons of righteousness could be found. So those cities were destroyed. That was the result of the old covenant, the keeping of the law. And living in righteousness was not a concept the people of those cities were interested in. Therefore, destruction was inevitable. Now, fast forward many generations to the fullness of time. Jesus came. He fulfilled the old covenant. He kept the law took our punishment as the Son of Man, and redeemed us as the Son of God. That's why we can activate Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now that's from the King James. Now this is the way it says it in the Message Bible. Now that we know what we have Jesus, the high priest, with ready access to God, let's not let it slip through our fingers. We don't have a priest who is out of touch with our reality. He's been through weakness and testing, experienced it all, all but the sin. So let's walk right up to him and get what he is so ready to give. Take the mercy and accept the help. I love that. I love the way that's read. That is so powerful. We now live under that new covenant where we don't have to battle the birds and the bats on our own. We don't have to accept any of that nonsense. We can come boldly, not sniveling, whiny, fear-filled, defeated worms. We can come boldly expecting that he will be true to his word knowing that he is already praying to himself on our behalf, already has a plan of escape from the circumstances, already has a blessing waiting on the other side of that mess. So how do we do that? How do we do that? When we see a battle beginning to rear its ugly head, we spread our faith wings and cry, Battle! (laughs) We get to go into battle! Yes! We thank God for his grace and we begin to declare peace and plenty, healing and comfort, joy, provision, safety and righteousness and justice. We don't just sit there and let the bats and the birds build nests in our hair. We don't just accept any and everything that comes along. 
No. We put on the armor of God and we fight those battles, not in the strength of our own devising, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. We declare the defeat of hell and the victory of heaven. We stand up in the power and the anointing that he has provided for us. We begin to act like Peter and John and Paul and Silas. We begin to praise God for the victory even before we see it. That's the opposite of declaring defeat even before we begin the battles. We start the battle from a place and position of victory. Not victim. Overcomer. Not defeated. Blessed. Not cursed. Beloved of God. Not orphaned. So what are you dealing with today? What bat or bird is flapping its way through your peace? Take it boldly to the throne of grace. Take the mercy that God offers and accept the help that he provides. Walk out of that mess with your spirit emboldened. This is how we fight our battles. We praise God through them, not for them, but even in the middle of them. Praise is not only an act of worship. It's a weapon to wield in the middle of the mess. So whatever you're going through right now, in your home life, your business life, your spiritual life, remember that praise is how we fight our battles. Okay? Now we're going to have one last song. While we sing this one, I want you to visualize every problem that's facing you in this next coming week. See them destroyed. See them overcome by the spirit of the living God. See them being laughed at by our almighty father. See the victory even before the battle starts. See the champion of heaven at work on our behalf. Okay?